doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I've just I've had a really nice studio day. I'm in the studio. That's cool. I'm impressed that you're back to work so quickly. I guess you have deadlines, but still, I um I feel like you have a really strong like work ethic. Well, I didn't work for most of February. I mean, I was out of town for a while, and then, um, yeah, I got back, and I just sat on the couch for I don't know. Felt like a couple weeks. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had like I had weeks off. It was great. Um, yeah, I just started coming back in here a few days ago, and it's it's been nice. It was a little rough the first couple of days, but mm-hmm. I'm starting to work out, you know. Yeah. Do you feel like taking time off like is regenerative? Um. Yeah, when I do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um. I don't do it often enough. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely really helpful. I just, I mean, I think, yeah, I just feel like things get clunky and stiff and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, it's like you have to have time not in this room to like, for like things in the room to start to seem different, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a Susan Rothenberg quote where she talks about, like, it seems like she was actually a pretty chill painter. Like, she didn't work every day at all. And she has some quote about how, like, if she's been out of the studio for, like, five days, she, like, just really, like, feels like she needs to be in there again. Like, it builds up Mm -hmm. a kind of urgency. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes so much sense. There was some... Luke Toyman's interview that I read recently where he was talking about how he like he spent like every day just sort of like sitting at home reading mm-hmm. and he would go in and paint all day for one day a week and so it was like mm. yeah all this time was just sort of like I don't know kind of just like it seemed like it was about like putting stuff in his head that then he could go and spend like one day kind of like like I don't know processing that's cool I like that model I feel like I have so much guilt like not that I am like I feel like I work pretty consistently but then I always feel like I could or should be working more but like to find another rhythm that works is intriguing yeah I know I thought I thought that was such a such an admirable kind of like idea about process um, like that, it, that so much of the process was not about the the material and the work part, and that most of it was just about the like reading and absorbing part. Yeah, it seems so nice. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It reminds me of like kind of the early quarantine I was doing. That was kind of my life was just like laying on the couch and reading and stuff, and kind of trying to teach myself it's okay to rest because I mm. haven't off, like I, I I mean again I'm not like the most like I don't know I mean I think I have some kind of workaholic tendencies but I also I know a lot of people put in a lot more hours than I do or something like my work's not super time intensive necessarily but it can be hard for me to feel entitled to like doing that, that other things that are pleasurable are 
are a like valid part of the process or something. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, not just pleasurable, but also like genuinely helpful. Um, yeah, necessary. Like, yeah. Do you feel like you've re- been reading more in this year of drastically less stimulation? Yeah, I read my ass off, actually. I'm kind of getting more into movies right now, but I, mm. I read so much, like, it was, it, which was very good. I mean, I felt like a part of my brain reopened that had been kind of shut down for a while. Yeah, I felt that a lot, too, actually. I felt like my attention span for books got a lot better over the last mm-hmm. year. Was there any, I actually, you mentioned a book in your press release the white goddess was that something you read this year yeah that's like a book that I had been kind of like meaning to get to for a really long time and um yeah I kind of I came to it last summer I I had been like I think it was like I was going to a bunch of protests and I was feeling really like kind of sort of I don't know like almost like shocked or something about the way in which like suddenly being around people was Mm. was also like so incredibly full of all of this um all all of these like really big political questions and so Mm -hmm. I I think I went back to reading some David Graeber stuff that I've really enjoyed and has been really like kind of like like reading his writing usually feels really like like a good way to sort of like organize my thoughts about stuff and so he wrote this like really short very short little book about um anarchist anthropology like as a potential sort of like field or sort of subject and and in that book, he talks about um, the white goddess as being a book that's like very nonconformist in the way that it constructs a history and how it's like, it's like a very sort of like soft science idea of like stringing ideas, like stringing really big ideas together. Mm-hmm. So I guess when I read that this summer, I was like, oh, that sounds really like a great place to be so then I started reading the book and it was it was such a weird I don't know it was such an odd kind of like like segue or something to be going from yeah all of this like very urgent very like now feeling experiences like socially and then like in the evening being reading like about like pagan poetry and like just like really it's like a very loose book about like kind of all of these very broad connections in ancient pagan poetry ancient pagan poetry and Mm. it was like very um it just it was like a really nice way to kind of think about yeah like the political moment is like really potent like so full of like potential and so open and yeah such a massive amazing experiment I don't know Mm -hmm. but maybe also like non-linear or Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's cool yeah I I went to I went back to that book and that kind of like 
that sort of started me on this like mm, like I as soon as I started reading that book I started discovering that all these other things that I had been kind of interested in for a long time were also sort of interested in that book like um I had been like meaning to read more Sylvia Plath and then like as soon as mm. I started listening to the white goddess it was like I like was hearing about how like Sylvia Plath was like really really into that book and so then it was like a really natural segue to go from the white goddess to reading about her and reading her work and so I don't know the like the white goddess just ended up sort of being like a good intersection for all this stuff Mm, that's cool yeah I actually had a Sylvia Plath moment earlier last year too I was like rereading daddy and just like trying to find like analysis of it and stuff or a a few of her other poems too but I read this or I heard this guy who said it was like the poem of the 20th century and Mm -hmm. I it's pretty incredible poem I I think in how it um weaves together like the personal and the political and but in a very, I don't know, it's also very angry and funny. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, um, I mean, I had only ever read The Bell Jar. And um, yeah, I think like, I just felt like, yeah, having only read The Bell Jar, that was like only, that just felt like kind of like the, I don't know, like, maybe just sort of like the flattest thing to sort of know about her in a way. Like I was Mm -hmm. like always really curious about what was going on in the poetry and it was really great to read a bunch of it. It is so intense. It's so amazingly intense. And yeah, I mean, I was like, I um, read that there's like a new biography of her that came out, I think last summer called Red Comet. It's like this really epic book about her life and um yeah it was like definitely making the claim that daddy was like possibly the most important american poem of the 20th century Mm. which seems like quite a quite a grand statement but yeah um but also definitely like being like you know the book was like like making the point that she's basically the most influential and important and kind of radical American poet, you know, of the last hundred years. And like, she kind of gets like pigeonholed as like a hysterical person who wrote an autobiographical novel, you know, like it's, it's a very kind of diminished, the popular Mm. view of her is like so diminished in relation to the importance of her poetry. Right, or just that she committed suicide or something. Mm-hmm. Too. Like, yeah, the salaciousness of, like, yeah, biographical stuff as opposed to the actual, like, power of her work or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess the, the like, suicide is, like, the, like, that just sort of becomes the thing that, is supposed to tell you everything you need to know about her or something. But right. yeah, the, that, that biography is amazing. I definitely really recommend it. 
Yeah, I want to read it now, actually, because I yeah, I feel like it is a bit hard to actually find out stuff about her that goes beyond that other stuff. Like, um, so yeah, I would I would actually really like to read that. Um, but maybe this is a good segue into something I just realized when I was researching your work um, that that poetry with or specifically like collaborating with Charity Coleman's poetry has been a kind of ongoing part of your process, which I thought was really cool and interesting and seemed like a fun jumping off point or like, I don't know, I don't know that I know of other painters who work that way or but maybe you do um yeah yeah um I mean I guess like charity I met charity in grad school like 10 years ago and um yeah we just sort of started having like a kind of email back and forth about um work and stuff and then <laughs> I guess that kind of slowly turned into just like, yeah, a situation where like, I really, really liked her language, like her, like her, the kind of like world that she would describe with, with her language and feeling like it was, it kind of alluded to like a space or it had like a tone or something that I felt really connected to in my painting mm -hmm. and so yeah I had initially asked her to write a poem in as sort of like an introduction for a book that I made in 2017 and then that kind of I feel like that process of of like getting the poem from her that was quite a long poem and getting that from her just seemed to sort of like have so much um, I don't know, it just felt like such a conversation. Like, like she wrote the poem in response to images of my work. And then there was imagery in her poem that felt like it kind of like suggested more paintings. And so that was just like a really nice exchange to have, like, you know, in relation to like being alone in my studio a lot, like that just felt like a really really great kind of like level of dialogue while also like like her practice and my practice feeling super independent of each other mm -hmm. like there wasn't any kind of expectation of like um like influence or even like conjoining of ideas and I think just like her text just felt like a thing to work off of and so I made more work from that first poem. And then um, I guess it was late 2019. I did that again. I made a series of drawings and then I sent them to her and I asked her to write a poem in response to those drawings. And so that was kind of a more object oriented project because she decided to write a line for each physical drawing. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, and then that has kind of like generated more work. There's something about like, 
having the language come in with the pictures that like kind of touches on something about like taking pictures apart or like interpreting pictures mm. that I that I really love and that feels really like a part of what I'm trying to do with the pictures and so I think it it feels like putting the language in there always feels like it's kind of talking about that process of like describing what you're doing to yourself and and that's a way of taking apart what you're doing and mm -hmm. then with the language you can also like construct new ideas so yeah and then also just like as a kind of general interest in like collage and like putting things together like putting pre-existing things and found things together like I think working with her language has also like fit in super well with that yeah I mean it's it seems like I I don't know how you feel but I feel like sometimes the hardest part can be like how to begin something like mm -hmm. and so it creates this kind of jumping off point or even this like sense of like I really like the idea of having like I mean not that she's your only audience but somehow like making a work in relation to a friend or or someone else's work in this really specific way it seems like this I don't know this good like hack for just jumping into something in a in a way that's you have something to jump off of basically yeah totally I mean and I think you're right it's like it's like the question of like who the work is for kind of goes away mm -hmm. when the work is just a part of a conversation yeah know? that's so cool and I feel like it, I mean I think I've maybe done that with like other with like people I guess I made a like one of my earliest videos that I felt proud of was like a kind of like critical conversation with uh Thoreau and Walden mm. um but it feels like yeah it feels like it would be more intimate and exciting to do it with someone you actually know and and yeah that nice like delineation of your different roles it kind of like reminds me of I was reading some other interviews um that you did or a other interview where you have this background in illustration so it kind of invokes that a little too like the image and text thing like I mean not that I don't think your work looks like illustration but it has a conversation with that in some way I think I mean I think that's a big part of it I think that was initially what made me want to ask for text was because of yeah like being really interested in the way that illustration functions and having a background in making illustrations. Like I, I think that, um, yeah, pictures in terms of how they're connected to language or how pictures work, you know, as a kind of didactic kind of space or something um, like that, that kind of flat kind of perfunctory idea around pictures is something that I really, really like. And so, yeah, bringing in language um, seemed pretty like natural in relation to the work, but also to not have it be literal, to have it just be like, yeah, here are some words, here are some pictures, like what the connection is, is like 
totally loose. Yeah. And even, yeah, maybe like even complicates the image or it, it doesn't, it, it opens it up rather than like shutting it down or, or clarifying it. Yeah, I would hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I feel like, I mean, there's a couple of lines from some of those works in your current show, which is called Waxing Year at Overdune and Co. in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'll, well, there's one that stood out a lot and maybe that will, like, I feel like you're, there's this sense of like um, unraveling in the work. And I feel like kind of like talking about it is like that too. Like it feels like there's all these layers and it is almost like pulling a thread and, and all of these other things kind of come out. So I'm trying to figure out how to enter into it. But um, one of the lines I liked a lot from these, so there's a lot of paintings and then there's, um, well, what Charity described them as in her Instagram was mirror collages, mm-hmm. um, which are, which I think are interesting in that you can't, it seems like the mirror is almost completely covered by the images, um, but maybe kind of mirrors the viewer back in another way. Um, but I, the one that says, well, there's two that kind of I liked, especially one that says the errant vestiges of skipping out and the perennial ma guts driven plots. Um, but the one, the first one about skipping out reminded me of this thing I was reading last night by um, Adam Phillips, who's this psychoanalyst and is very fun to listen to um, or read. He He has a very poetic sensibility he actually thinks of psychoanalysis as more like poetry than like science Mm -hmm. which I relate to Mm -hmm. and um yeah I don't know he was talking about like that we what did he say something about like he had a I was reading a chapter called on getting out of it and that's something about like we we know more about the experiences we don't have than the experiences we do have when we get out of something um, mm. and I thought that was, I mean, he kind of writes in these paradoxes. So, but I, 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 it just reminded me of that a bit, this idea of skipping out or getting out of something. Yeah. It's definitely like about something ending. Mm-hmm. There's like, so there's like a lot of kind of erosion and decomposition in the work. Like it feels like in those mirror works, there's like kind of, there's images of flowers, which are ephemeral. And and it seems like the surface they're on is kind of decomposing or something, or it seems eroded in in a way. And then there's other kind of collage pieces that feel from another time or kind of relate to history in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think again, it's like, I guess, I don't know. It's like a funny thing about making collages is it's like, like trying to make stuff, like putting stuff together so it like adds up into something. Mm-hmm. But then 
but then like I don't know I I always feel like working with found images is like is like a it's like a mode of like trying to sort of like take pictures apart like I don't know like I I do think about decomposition a lot like it's like um yeah like the the pictures that I find that I that I just like I'm the most kind of like attracted to and like get really attached to or ones where I just like really don't like I feel like I don't understand them on some level and so mm-hmm. yeah like kind of like wanting to try and like yeah take them apart I guess um I mean to be more literal the like the like cut up pieces of paper in those collages are based on um papyrus fragments like ancient Egyptian papyrus fragments that are you know in the museum like at the Met like I Mm -hmm. do a lot of um just like taking pictures off of the Met's just website you know just like um doing like searches for stuff and like looking through they're just like hundreds and thousands of pictures um mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what the like source is for those like it's just like paper that's falling apart and like the thing that's so amazing about the papyrus fragments is that it's like it's paper but it's paper that's made like the way that fabric is made right you know it's paper so so it's like even though it's like a writing surface or a drawing surface it's like the way that it falls apart is the same way that like fabric would fall apart and I just I don't know I think that's just like a really I guess just like thinking about like the substrate as like a the substrate of a picture as like a physical thing like I just think that's like a really wonderful thing about those objects yeah and I feel like that seems like a running kind of theme in your work in a way like kind of playing with that awareness of like the surface that a painting is on being like fabric or woven or something. I mean, I think there's something cool and funny about these mirror pieces and that like the way they're decomposing, it's like an image of decomposing. Like we know Mm -hmm. it's not actually decomposing. Like it's kind of like almost like, I don't know, like when punk designers like make a sweater that's already unraveled or something. Yeah. 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 It's a little, it's a little cartoony in a way. Yeah. But then like the flower and the mirror are kind of maybe represent for me, at least like a more present tense or something like a mirror is a very present space in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess I started using mirrors like quite a while ago. Like I think I had mirrors in my show in 2016 at Bordolami and that was like that was all paintings of headless women and then I made these like again they were kind of these like fragment drawings that were sandwiched between um mirror and glass the way that these collages are and Mm -hmm. um yeah I was like oh this is good like people look in the mirrors and then there will be like heads in the show like there there's no Mm -hmm. heads in the but like (laughs) there'll there'll be heads once like people like look in the mirror and I don't I don't know what that means but that was what I wanted I guess initially um 
That's cool. I like that idea of the viewer's head. I mean, in a in a kind of literal way, the viewer's head does complete the work or something. Yeah, it was just like the the part that was missing from the paintings. Mm-hmm. But in a way, yeah, I feel like there's something about the the collages, or maybe all of it. I mean, I think you have a kind of collage sensibility in a way, where but where like in a sense like we have to kind of put it together as a viewer like there's all these parts and you've put them together in a certain way but um and I guess the way they defy illustration is by there's no clear kind of message or story that you're telling us which is I feel like really nice and kind of maybe what I was getting in part from your writing about it is maybe that that has been even kind of expanded on in this work, like the kind of new sense of space, I think is really exciting, like that it's like a game board or like this kind of um, continuous field you talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt like with this, I had done a project, um, a bunch of paintings in 2017 and 2018 that had parts that conjoined where like, where like the paintings were really separate, but then there would be like things that would travel from one canvas to another. Mm. Um, and I just sort of liked that as an idea about like making a body of work or whatever and then with this with these paintings for the overdune show like they all connect pretty much completely in terms of the line work not Mm. in color but in the line work and yeah that just seemed like a really just like a really i don't know really relaxed and like really interesting kind of like openness to put in the pictures like it just made the pictures feel I mean and it made the meaning of the pictures just like feel really um just like super open like I didn't have to like I didn't have to like say what the picture was about it could just be of the things that happened to come into it um and so the meaning would be like, just sort of like, I don't know, just sort of like happenstance almost or something. Yeah, I like that. Like it feels very, um, there was a lot of possibility kind of, I mean, that's kind of what I was like, I mean, your press release is really beautiful. I think we talked about that interpersonally, but I, I think it's really, it's very generous, like in a way that I feel like most press releases aren't in that it actually gives you a lot of information about your inspirations and about the things you were inspired by and thinking about during making the work. And yet, and yet there's still quite a lot that's unsaid or mysterious when you look at it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't like, I was kind of a little bit like, um like the thing that became the press release was not initially written as a press release it was written as um notes about the paintings that I sent to 
um, Lisa Overdune to sort of just like explain the project to her. Um, and because of, like I was saying, like compositionally, it's this very like loose, just kind of like coming together of things. Like if anything, these paintings just depict material that's in my studio that I'm surrounded by and that I look at a lot and think about a lot. Um, and so like how to kind of like explain why that should happen or why that should exist as a bunch of paintings. Like it felt like the only way to do that was like just very first person, like very just sort of being like, this is what happened. And this is what made me think that I should change the parameters or whatever. So it was mm -hmm. almost like in, in place of like a studio visit or something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think she suggested just like using that. Like, I think she was having a hard time kind of like, like making a jump from that to just like, like kind of like chopping it up and, and putting it and like inserting quotes or something into just like um, a more typical press release, I think seemed a little bit awkward. So she just suggested using it. And I mean, my like, yeah, the thing that is strange about that, I guess to me is just that like, it's a very like first person way of like describing my work. And that's like not normally how I feel like I need to describe my work. But, um, but yeah, I also, I don't know, like it just seemed like, well, that's how the paintings happen. So like, yeah, I don't know. seems like a, a, maybe the most helpful way to, to kind of like explain them, you know? Yeah, I found it like, I feel like I was very surprised and moved by it, which is what not usually a feeling one has when they read press releases. Like, um, so I, yeah, I think it was very refreshing and actually, I mean, it's a nice piece of writing in and of itself. And like, I, I just think it's, it felt like there were these different markers of like, I mean, the, there's many ideas in it that we could talk about. Like the idea of the waxing year was not something I, it's not a term I was aware of before, but I really like this idea of, um, oh, what did you say? Uh, like the idea of the struggle between growing and shrinking, I thought was a really, interesting idea yeah I mean I I do too I think that's just like such a I don't know it almost seems like such an eccentric metaphor but then like the way that it gets used in the white goddess is like as if it's like an explanation for all like creative production ever and I just thought that was like really yeah kind of kind of ridiculous and also really amazing yeah, I mean, I feel like I relate, I feel like it also feels like it, yeah, relates to creative production and even the idea of psychoanalysis, like, feel like maybe that's kind of what one does in psychoanalysis is like, mm -hmm. try to grow and try to resist their urges to shrink or something. Mm -hmm. Well, also, like, I feel like it's like there's something like very much connected to what you're saying. I think it's also like, um, like therapy is also about like 
separating the past from the present, you know, like, like separating, mm. like the direction that you're going in from, from where you have been, you know, like, I think, mm. so there's like, definitely ideas about like, organizing time, or like understanding yourself through time that I think is like, definitely a big part of that waxing year metaphor too. Right. Like, yeah, sometimes we're acting out of our history rather than what is in the present or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you're saying, it's like the, the fantasy that you're moving forward is like often experienced as in conflict with what has happened in the past, you know? Right. Or maybe, yeah, and when we like outgrow what we, how we thought of ourselves in the past, like that can be hard to integrate the new things. Yeah. I mean, there's a real, it feels like history. I, I feel like there's a sense of this work having a kind of like haunted feeling in a, in a cool way. And there seems like history is a sense of like history and mortality um is always like present in your work hmm. um yeah I mean I guess I felt like I mean I don't know like it just seemed like there was like so much I mean maybe it just sounds really dumb to say but just like so much thinking about death in the last year and it just seemed like yeah there's kind of no way around it it's just like yeah um yeah so it kind of felt like that like even if you weren't necessarily like trying to address it directly in your work like it was still something that would be like coming up a lot you know like just in terms of being aware of the news or, you know, going to protests or mm -hmm. just like friends of friends who would, you know, pass away from COVID and stuff. It just seemed like there was just like so much that was so present. So. Yeah, definitely. Did it, um, do you feel like it changed anything about like how you think about your work in a way like or I mean it feels like I feel a sense from the writing and maybe from the work itself too that that it, there was some kind of like catalyst that happened for you even though it was like a difficult year like it feels mm -hmm. like there actually was a lot of growth in your work and um I mean I think the most like I think the most obvious thing for me is just that like with so much um time and so much time alone it was like um just like the chance to take apart the ingredients of what I had been working with previously just like I just really felt like I had the the space to really sink into that and so yeah I guess like you know compositionally like making these paintings that are really about like information going from one canvas to another in a way that's nearly arbitrary, like that just felt really freeing. And I think like a lot of the questions that I was like really trying to think through 
were just about like how to make my practice feel a lot more porous Mm. like to me and like from me you know so that like yeah just you know it's like I mean I really like rules I have like a ton of rules about how I make work and how I depict things and all of that but like the benefit of having a lot of rules is that you know what they are and you can like change them you know Mm. and it was just like a really just like a really good time for like kind of like rearranging the rules and and thinking about ones that had been bothering me and how to get rid of them and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah you mentioned this thing which I'm not sure maybe you can talk about because I wasn't sure if I totally understood it but like about like Mondrian and his idea of like edges that somehow maybe you had this anxiety about edges that he kind of freed you from or something yeah I mean I think because like um I mean I don't I read so much of his writings and like they are really kind of like ecstatic but also like very abstract and um there's like a lot of um like he talks a lot about like if you if you are if you're like thinking of of like the the painting picture space in like completely new terms like you can then you can like get rid of all of the sort of like historical baggage Mm -hmm. you know like you can like you can just you can just make like you don't need to depict things like color can be color shapes can be shapes um you know and it's this it's like to him that is like politically analogous to like a a kind of like emancipation Mm -hmm. and um and he's like completely uncompromising like it's like it's like there is no in how he writes about his practice it's like it's like to do to do this stuff to do this constant sort of like decluttering of what a painting is is just this like kind of like like that is the sort of that is the job of being a painter and it's like so kind of like religious in how he talks about it it's like it's like really kind of like um it's sort of over the top but it's also like incredibly beautiful because it's just like um I don't know it's just like so kind of uncompromising and it's also his own kind of like um set of parameters that he's coming up with about about what could make painting pictures in a sense like how how you could make painting pictures be more free um so I mean he meant it on like such an incredibly kind of like grand and universal scale you know like he was really interested in futurism and then he had all of these like really really grand new age ideas that were like really about how to understand how the world fits together and how like if things were in harmony then like people would be free you know just these like really really beautiful really big kind of utopian thoughts and um that was just like really nice to be around but it also just kind of was like yeah I think like um if you think about like what it is that you're doing in your paintings as like as like a series of like rules that that are potentially bothering you like and then like you figure out which rules to get rid of like you will experience some kind of like 
you know, like emancipation, like you'll just feel some kind of like freedom, which will be really nice. Um, mm-hmm. So when he was talking about edges, like he was just, I mean, it was like a very serious kind of like theoretical question, I guess, in the style movement, you know, about like what angles were acceptable within their sort of like design vocabulary. And I think Mondrian kind of ran with that like much, much longer than the de style movement lasted mm-hmm. um, and just sort of really turned that into like a very, like a very deep sort of painting metaphor about mm-hmm. how to think about the edge of the picture plane as like the edge of a sort of force field um, that you were sort of like making into this very charged space. And so he was really obsessed with edges and I've thought a lot about edges in the last few years, like with making paintings of figures, which I have not always done, but making paintings of figures, it's like, you know, the edges become just like incredibly kind of like, I don't know, you just really become very aware of the kind of like, the sort of sense of hierarchy around what you're dealing with. Like, it's just like, it can feel really, um, like the edges just feel like they're sort of like doing too much in a way, like the degree to which the framing sort of dictates what kind of picture you're making with the thing that you're depicting. Like that just kind of starts to feel really like something that you can't even, like it's very alienating. Like you can't really like, at least I felt like I can't really open it up too much. It just feels super, I don't know, just like super predetermined in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, like what is correct it's almost like there's idea of like correctness or something in relation to you know putting a figure in a rectangle or something and Mm -hmm. so I don't know I've just like been really interested in trying to figure out how to make I guess how to make things feel more abstract in a way like just like what what do the edges do you know if you make them more or less important Mm -hmm. yeah and it feels like this well, there's like, there are some of these torsos. well, there's a lot of torsos, but there's also these kind of larger works that kind of feel like a piece of something larger in kind of in themselves as like multi-part paintings, or I don't know if you, I mean, it seems like there, there are images that are continuing along like three canvases or mm. two canvases and so they are quite literally kind of spilling out of the edges of themselves but reconnecting and so maybe there's a way of imagining that there's even more kind of beyond those edges mm-hmm. um which I think yeah is a cool like it does feel like this kind of sense of like endless possibility or just like the coagulation of certain things and I was also thinking about like, I don't know, there's so many, like we could talk about any number of little figures or elements in it, but the thing you were saying about like um, this idea of like kind of freeing oneself from history in a way, like makes me think of this thing I've thought of, of like sometimes I think women artists because they didn't see themselves as reflected as artists in the history of art that we feel less like 
that we may feel less kind of um, beholden to it, that we can just kind of take what we want and throw away what we don't want. And then, and that image of like this kind of trash can with like flying penises in it somehow reminded mm -hmm. me of that. <laughs> yeah the flying penis is like um yeah i like just kind of like strewing them around in the paintings like i think it's like <laughs> kind of connected to what you're saying it's like when you like i you know i i like love reading about 19th century realism but it's just like it's just like it's such a sausage party and like <laughs> i just kind of felt like just like yeah having these like just like penises flying around kind of felt sort of like akin to just like you know reading art history books and just being like wow all these all these dudes everywhere yeah they're very funny elements like in terms of like a weird like analog or dialogue with these like women like torsos of mm. which are cut off and then this penis which is also cut off but is a kind of like weird like it's both like ridiculous and kind of um I don't know grand at the same time mm -hmm. yeah um yeah I don't I don't really know what to say about them I mean I I took them from a sort of odd piece of I mean what I think I'm not totally sure but what I think is like a reproduction of some kind of silly like 19th century erotic art um which is this kind of strange scene of like these young women in togas who are like um like the whole thing is sort of supposed to take place in like a kind of ancient grecian idyllic kind of setting or something and it's all these women in togas who are like lining up to buy these like flying penises from <laughs> an old woman who's like a who's like a kind of like witchy looking crone you know like she's like dressed in rags and she's like going around <laughs> selling these penises to these young women uh -huh. it's, it's like a very it seems like a very like confused idea about the male gaze or something I don't know I just like thought it was like really <laughs> quaint and kind of odd yeah it's like a mythological like sex toy or something yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah I think you showed me that image in your studio one day when I stopped by but yeah it's always around it's always yeah like, out somewhere <laughs> and so maybe that's a good way to segue into like it seems like yeah maybe collecting and collaging materials is a big part of how the work formulates maybe drawing too um could you talk about how those things kind of come together or how they kind of develop um yeah well i mean the collection of pictures is just kind of like an ongoing thing i mean you know, it's like partly made up of just like lots of picture books and lots of stuff I've printed from the internet. And then also like a um, really massive collection of um, postcards that are from, mostly all from one friend. Mm. Um, and they mostly come in the mail, they're like sent to me. And so they kind of just like pile up 
around my studio and they're amazing. Like, I don't know, like, I know that my friend chooses them, you know, thinking that they might be connected to what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but his own sort of like grasp of art history is just so much broader and so much deeper than my own that it's just like yeah really wonderful like it's always these like kind of like strange and marvelous pictures a lot of the postcards are really old um and a lot of them are from museums like they're like postcards that museums printed a long time ago about stuff that's in their collections so um yeah it's nice like they have very different kinds of like rendering and photo printing quality and stuff which is something I just find really fascinating um yeah so I have piles and piles of that kind of ephemera and um I don't know I just I guess like it used to be more of a process of kind of like imagining a picture just like completely in my head and then trying to kind of like find the parts to draw it and figure it out um Mm -hmm. you know trying to like I would imagine something happening to a body and then I would try and find like a photo or a statue or something where where the body was kind of like in a good position for me to be able to put it into that picture um but then like the more that I've collected all this stuff the more it just sort of seems like it's kind of interesting enough um Mm -hmm. And so I'm just interested in like sort of being surrounded by it and it's sort of feeling like, I don't know, like kind of just like an environment or something that I'm, um, yeah, thinking through, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like you do, you have, I feel like I saw it before in your studio, like you do have kind of collage board things happening Mm -hmm. is that like an actual kind of like compositional space or more just like a like a um mood board or something it's the thing that you've been seeing in my studio um is the basis for these paintings that are in the overdune show um and yeah it's just like one big long collage and Mm -hmm. um yeah, so it was a kind of like compositional guide. And then after having put all this stuff together in the collage, then I started like making tracings of all the parts of it. And then, um, yeah, kind of like making a, a sort of drawing version of the collage. And that mm-hmm. became the studies for the paintings, um, which is how I normally work. I make a drawing, I grid the drawing. And then that is like, I put a grid on it and then I put a grid on the canvas and then I scale up the mm-hmm. and the drawing onto the canvas. Like just like a very simple um, way of planning out a picture. Um, mm-hmm. But the more that collage has come into it, the more things kind of like come and go and get added to and subtracted from either the collage or the study or the painting. So it's mm-hmm. sort of become a little bit more free form as a, as a process that's cool yeah I feel like that comes through somehow like I mean you talk about also in the writing like which I really liked a lot the idea of like dream 
interpretation in the paintings, like not in a, but not in a literal way. Um, I thought that was a really interesting idea and like the idea of it being this kind of underground unconscious space is also kind of dovetails with that really nicely. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's like, I mean, I feel like all of those things about dream space and a sort of stream of consciousness or whatever, like, I feel like all of that is like pretty connected to surrealism and my interest in surrealism as like a, as like a history that tries to deal with like, yeah, like things sort of not making sense and like things not having like a one-to-one -to -one idea around meaning, you know, like, I feel like, yeah, that's all kind of like, I don't know, it all feels very connected to surrealism for me, which is just a sort of historical moment that I guess I've been really interested in for a long time. Mm -hmm. And maybe like a kind of interest in the the darker parts of ourselves or the parts that don't that aren't kind of civilized or something too yeah totally I mean I think yeah trying to like make pictures that aren't just like I don't know that don't just feel like virtuous or something feels really important to me I don't I don't know why I think it's connected to feminism for me mm -hmm. um, you know like that yeah, just that, like, the process of, of making pictures shouldn't be, like, like, I don't want it to feel like it's, I don't know, like, it's not conforming to some kind of, like, expectation around a gendered voice or something, whatever that might mean. Yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with that idea in some way too although maybe it's becoming less I mean I think it is very gendered for me of like being like indoctrinated in this really deep way of like having to be good and nice all the time and, mm -hmm. and like I feel like I mean it sounds cheesy to say but I don't like I just have this obsession with not wanting to be good anymore and one yeah. which maybe yeah. bad is like also a kind of trope one can fall into but I, I don't know I'm really fascinated by that idea yeah I mean I think um I mean I I'm definitely super interested in all of this like I think um yeah there's just like I don't know like I remember when I was in college like anything I made people would be like oh it really looks like a girl made that <laughs> It was like, it was like very curious to me as to like where this, where that projection was coming from. Like, I don't know, that just seemed so um, extreme, but it was very consistent. And um, yeah, I don't know. So I guess that's always kind of felt like something that's gonna be there and you have to like, you have to sort of like think against it in a way somehow I don't know like mm -hmm. yeah and I think part of that idea that 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 work could be gendered is like you're saying it's like projecting onto it that it's like somehow polite or nice or anodyne mm -hmm. um 
and I, yeah, I, I don't have any desire to like conform to that, I guess. Yeah, or even just being like pretty or something. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. there's a lot of like beauty in your work and elegance in it, but it feels like there's a lot of weird moments and and darkness and things like that too. Yeah. And even humor, I feel like, I mean, I'm not an expert on your work, but do you feel like there's more humor in this work than in previous? Work? I don't know. I don't know. I felt like, um, I mean, I don't really know what comes across as funny and what doesn't. Like, I, I guess when I first started making the Headless Women pa paintings in like 20, this was like 2013 it like really, like I really felt like it was so funny to me and like, and like it was like funny with like a lot of anger in it and that felt mm. really important. Um, and yeah, I think it started to feel less funny like a couple of years ago. And so I've just felt less attached to it. And like, um, yeah, like there was there was a kind of like funny tension in it for me that has just like kind of maybe Yeah, I don't know. Like I want there to be like a kind of odd relationship to the stuff that I'm depicting, I guess. Um mm -hmm. but um yeah, I don't know. It's just it's like it's interesting to me how like humor in relation to something like definitely just comes and goes and like yeah, you can't really like force it. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I mean, I think I guess what I was seeing is I, I I like what you're saying about the torsos. I guess I didn't I hadn't necessarily seen them in that way. But now that you mention it, like it is kind of a funny, like, it's like exactly what you're not supposed to do is like cut a woman's head off and kind of like, it's like, maybe a kind of compositional rule if you were making a portrait of a woman in like a flattering way you would include her head but yes. I mean so much of art history is these headless women and that is kind of there is a dark humor in that mm. but and then there's a but in this work too there's like these little weird creatures and the the flying dicks are funny to me but it's I mean I wouldn't say it's like it's just it is a very weird it's just a weird space which is which is could be humorous also although I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's the overarching feeling at all but um the strangeness of it could be kind of funny too and you talk about this phrase battling your weird also which I liked a lot yeah that's taken directly from the white goddess that's not that's not my construction. That's like mm -hmm. how Robert Graves I, imagines what a poet is doing. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's pretty easy to like um, superimpose his like um, his ideas about what a poet is up to onto like what a painter or an artist might be up to. Um, yeah, I. I mean, I, I have been really interested in like um, 
like the way, and I guess this comes a lot from reading like feminist literary criticism, you know, from like Kate Millett, you know, and Simone de Beauvoir to like more recent stuff. But reading that stuff was like really important when I was in college, just as a way to think about like, yeah, the way that gender gets like graphed onto an author, um, which mm -hmm. is something that literary criticism can like deal with really, really well. And so I guess I've always thought about how, like trying to make an analogy between a writer and a painter has been helpful because there's so much really good writing about what happens when a woman writes something. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I really liked that. Yeah, that. Um, construction in the white goddess I thought that was really interesting and it's like a very very retrograde kind of gendering you know in that book mm -hmm. that the poet mm -hmm. is a, a male who's like waging a battle a like heroic battle against his dark side mm -hmm. like a you know difficult fickle muse who of course is a woman mm -hmm. like I just really like how kind of like campy all of that felt yeah I feel that's maybe also maybe one could say there's a campiness to your work in a way of like borrowing these kind of very um, elaborate and decorative pieces, but putting them together in this new way. Yeah, I, I mean, I like to think of things as a little bit campy you know like I think like the way that I draw stuff where I like make it really flat and really simple like I don't know that seems like I don't know like it has a little bit of like a um like a kind of a like it like puts the energy in the thing somewhere else mm. um yeah, mm -hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah, I think somehow, like it's, well, it's a very like, I mean, it's kind of a cartoonish space in a way. So mm -hmm. there's like something that feels like, everything feels like a drawing of something rather than the thing itself in a way. Yeah, yeah. I was also, I feel like you kind of brought up this idea of like the female author too, or like you talk about in the writing, like kind of maybe this blurring between the self and the painting and, and subject positions. And I thought that was like, I mean, they don't, a lot of them are in the portrait orientation, but they don't, but they, I would never call them portraits per se. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I'm kind of curious if there's like writers that you feel very a kinship with other women writers who maybe play with their subjectivity. Um, well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's like a couple of different ways that I think about that. I mean, for sure, like Marguerite Dura is someone who I've been interested in for a really long time. Um, but I think like, 
um, like she writes nonfiction and then she also writes fiction. And so like, there's definitely, you know, a distinction between what is first person and what is not about herself or her direct experience, you know, it's fictional. Um, but, um, yeah, like, I think that, um, it's like, I like that her, her voice is so consistent in one form or another. But then I also think that like one thing that like, even like just outside of her work and in general, like one thing I guess I've been really interested in is the way that like, like when women write fiction, autobiography gets like projected onto it. Like the, like the gap between the author and the subject gets like smushed really small when mm. women write. And that's like speaking in like a really broad generalization, but like, I think that is a sort of like trope about um, how women's writing is, is sort of received, you know, like, and I, and I felt that really strongly when I was in art school, just that like, there was some expectation of like unself-aware kind of like first person expression that was being directed at women painters. Whereas like, I always had this suspicion that like male painters could be much more like conceptual and self-aware and detached or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, I don't know. I mean, I like Marguerite Draw a lot because I feel like she's she's so good at operating in that space and being really clear about that space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you think about Chris Krause? Like, I feel like she is someone who kind of, I mean, mostly I'm I'm most familiar with and and was very excited by I Love Dick, but she's like. I feel like she was like taking on that autobiographical thing, but in this kind of really. Uh, that's the only book way. I've ever read. I'm embarrassed to say, like, I, yeah. I read that book a few years ago. I thought it was just absolutely amazing. Like, I, yeah. it, it, like you're saying, like, it just so directly like played on all of these questions and also just seemed like such an incredibly profound depiction of sexism and I just I thought that book was just absolutely so amazing Um, yeah that's how I felt too and then I tried to read another one and I didn't get into it at all I didn't even finish it actually hmm. yeah I feel kind of overwhelmed like I don't even know what like what I should read next because yeah yeah I would like to try again because I did I was totally blown away by it too and I felt like it was almost like forging a new like it felt like almost like performance art or something like it didn't felt like more than a book in some way yeah I I had the same feeling um I know she's done a bit of like art criticism too which I did read some of that and I think I liked but was not but was again not anywhere like the same level as that but yeah I always get so excited when I see her name but like I mean I don't just just because of that one book. I don't know what else to read. Yeah. She has good titles. Yeah, <laughs> there was called sure. The Summer of Hate that I thought I would like to read. Oh, yeah. And one called Aliens and Anorexia that I think is just such a great title. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe just 
Uh, before we wrap it up, I was curious to, I, I feel like Jamie Chan had told me that you had done ballet as a young person. And I somehow felt like that gave me this strange, like key to understanding you better or something. Mm -hmm. I, I was very fascinated by that. And, um, I wonder how you think about that in your artistic development and when you kind of decided to be a painter? Um, yeah, I mean, I think about ballet a lot, actually. It's like actually kind of a weird, like a very consistent and very helpful kind of reference for me. Um, yeah, I did ballet from when I was a little kid until I was 18. So I was like really into it all through high school. Um, and I didn't have, you know, like that was my, that was my thing. Like, I really felt like I was gonna be doing that. And then, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then like shortly after high school, I like realized that I just like did not want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and, and at that point, I was like, I was like done with high school. And I had, you know, planned on just dancing after high school and then so I you know I hadn't applied to college or even thought about college and so I guess it was like a month or so after I quit ballet I was like well I guess I could go to art school like you know like I don't have to have been a good student academically or anything <laughs> so I'll um, try and go to art school and I think you know I think like the yeah, like there's a lot about ballet that I just like really love thinking about in relationship to painting. Like, um, just, I mean, just like as a kind of like ritual space, like, you know, ballet is just like incredibly ritualized. And I think that's like something that, that I really like loved about it and that I love about having a studio and like being a very studio oriented person. It's just that like, you show up when you do the work and sometimes you're just going through the motions, but like, the, mm. like you're on some, some kind of like, yeah, I mean, in ballet, it's like, it's on like a muscular level, but like in painting, it's like maybe a more sort of like subconscious level, like something is kind of like, kind of like coalescing or like finding forms or mm -hmm. kind of moving around and stuff. And I guess like ballet, ballet is like extremely symmetrical and it's very like I don't know like it's almost like like so I don't know how to break this down as a thought but like I think of it as being like putting a like a three-dimensional grid on your body and you're like training your body how to like articulate and move through this three-dimensional grid and I think like a lot of my interest in figuration and in working in this kind of like sign painter way like where information is very organized like I, that feels so connected to ballet for me in a way that like I can't even like make sense of but always feels to be true yeah and very like um I don't know I was relating to kind of the precision of ballet and mm -hmm. And it's very romantic, but restrained at the same time. I mean, I think definitely like the, the like experience of painting the line is like something that I really love in terms of how it feels 
connected to the same kind of focus mm. um, that was so important in ballet. And then I also think that um, one thing that I that is just like something I really love that I love being around when I was dancing was um, backdrops, you know, paintings. And, mm -hmm. and I loved like that when you would like be standing next to a backdrop, you couldn't tell like what it was. And then like there was this whole optical effect of it coalescing when you were at a greater distance. And I think that's like, I mean, I just really like making paintings that are bigger than my own body. And I just feel like it really kind of comes from that kind of, I don't know, that kind of like surreal and kind of like fantastical experience of, yeah, paintings as, as like a kind of like artificial environment. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like that thinking about that too now I never really thought about it in that way but like yeah the theatrical space is and the idea of like figure and ground in terms of like dancers and backdrop is pretty yeah cool. yeah definitely um do you have any I mean I I did a little uh, amateur dance as a kid but I and so my ideas about it might be a little bit um incorrect but I wonder I feel like I have this idea of like ballet dancers like warming up on the bar or going through the um what do you call it the uh the positions like do you feel like there's an analog in painting to that kind of thing um I guess maybe um I never really thought about it actually that literally. I mean, I think like maybe in some way it feels like the studies that I'm making are sort of like the bar exercises and then like making the painting is like, is like center. Like it's like when you're, you know, not attached to the bar and you're like dancing around. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just different ideas. I mean, like where, expression and like artistry comes into ballet is like pretty mm, like that was always pretty remote from my you know because I was just like training I wasn't like mm. interpreting a role or anything right. um, but I think yeah the like yeah the relationship to the from the drawing to the painting is maybe similar to the classroom space in ballet of doing the exercises at bar and then going to the center that makes sense. Yeah. Did you did you watch the um new Adam Curtis thing recently? I haven't watched it yet. I'm really excited to watch it. I've been <laughs> listening to like all the interviews that I can possibly find and I just yeah, I just haven't sat down and watched it. There's a um there's a ballet. I meant it partly well cuz everyone's talking about it partly, but also there's a there's this rush famous russian ballerina who's like known for her swan lake that that there's a portion of maya plazitskaya yeah exactly who i was yeah. aware of like i know i've actually used a bit of that footage in a video i made a long time ago but but i didn't know anything about her but it was really i i love that video and how kind of over the top she is in yeah. terms of the emotion yeah she's amazing I mean there's like a really grainy film of like her dancing as the dying swan I don't know yes, if that's what, he that's what yeah that's exactly what I'm talking about yeah yeah it's so insane it's so incredibly amazing mm -hmm. 
And I remember actually also that like in Susan, uh, shit, what's her last name? Susan that wrote Sontag, who wrote Notes on Camp, she kind of specifies Swan Lake as being something like one of the things that could be camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's one of my favorite things of all time. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I used to go see Swan Lake, the ABT production of Swan Lake every single year. And I have sort of dropped the habit. But I mean, I could I could probably watch it like once a month. <laughs> like, be totally <laughs> I love it so much. I want to see it now. I've only really seen that part of it. And I don't even know how I Oh, I think I got into it because of um, have you ever seen a woman under the influence? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so great. But the there's a small scene where there's like a children's birthday party. And um, Gina Rowlands is like, having the kids pretend to die and do the kind of Swan Lake death bean. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really a sweet and charming scene. Um, and she's kind of like unraveling mentally also, but. That sounds <laughs> I, good. That was definitely a, um, a ballet camp um, party activity. Mm. Also. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. 